you know, I guess it is kind of like shameful, but I like wear like a badge of honor. I'm like, I got fucking fired and here I am like better than ever. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week, we're going to take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. For those of you new to the show, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill. And today's topic is a big kid problem that I know all too well. It's honestly one of the worst ones I faced in my early 20s. And we're talking about getting fired, folks. If you've never been fired, first of all, good for you. Um, But I can tell you, it is a real kick in the balls. I actually got fired from my first job out of college when I was 23. And I think it's up there with any breakup I've ever gone through, like maybe even worse. When I got fired, first of all, I was shocked. Second of all, I was so ashamed. Like I didn't want to tell anyone what happened. I just felt like the biggest failure of all time. But now looking back with a little bit of hindsight, I wish I could tell 23-year-old Sarah some shit. Like to be honest, I kind of deserved it. And that took me years to fully comprehend. But the writing was on the wall. I mean, I was doing some little things that when you add up, definitely put me on the chopping block. And I probably took my job a little for granted at the time. Um, But like so many people who have been fired, I can honestly say it was a big learning lesson for me. And that's why I definitely wanted to do an episode on it. And even if you've never been fired before or you don't think you ever will be, I think we can all relate to feelings of rejection and shame, which is at the heart of this episode. So funny story before we get started, but this episode was actually supposed to be in my first season when I first sat down and wrote out the list of topics I wanted to cover in season one. Getting fired was like in my top five. So I reached out to our expert this week, Ashley Stahl. She is a TEDx speaker, career coach, monthly career column contributor to Forbes, and the author of the book, U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. And guys, Ashley is so awesome. We talk all about some of the signs you may be getting fired, some low-key mistakes you may be making, what to do if you have a serious fuck-up at work, and of course, how to survive after getting the axe. So we recorded this awesome interview back in season one. And then I set off to find a guest to just give us a firsthand account of getting fired. 
And this is where shit got dicey. Like nobody wanted to go on the record and talk about it. And I get it. I mean, getting fired is embarrassing. I reached out to so many people and no one wanted to go there. So this episode just sat on the shelf for over a year. And then I finally found our first guest today. She was not afraid to get into it, invite us into her little shame hole. So big shout out to the hilarious, the brave Miss Taylor Strecker. She was a popular Sirius XM host who got fired in a very public way. Talk about a dick punch. I mean, getting fired already sucks. So I can't imagine it also being a public spectacle. But Taylor has risen from the ashes. She now hosts the Taylor Strucker Show and has her own podcast, Taste of Taylor, through Dear Media. So she hilariously walks us through the story of how she got canned, how she picked herself off the floor, and what she learned from the whole debacle. So I'm very excited to kick things off with her and then have our expert of the week, Ashley Stahl, join us with some career tips and tricks afterwards. Ugh. I'm so happy to finally air this episode. It's a great one filled with real life experiences and lots of practical advice. So without further ado, get comfy and we will be right back. Before we get going, I want to give a little love to a brand new sponsor of this podcast, Third Love. With Third Love, you can find your new favorite bra with high quality, comfy styles starting at just $45. Guys, boobs come in all shapes and sizes, and finding the perfect bra is harder than it sounds. That's why I love Third Love's Fit Finder quiz, which helps you find your perfect fit based on breast size, shape, and past bra fit issues, all in about 60 seconds. They offer more than 80 different sizes from cups double A to I, including half cups and bands from sizes 30 to 48. Okay, I never knew you could get a bra in a half cup size. (laughs) I took their quiz and it turns out I'm in that half cup size range, which makes sense because I've always had to buy bras in different sizes, like not knowing which one I truly am. I also love how comfy these bras are. I mean, every third love bra is made with signature memory foam cups, no slip straps, and a scratch-free band. They are also just super lightweight and really cute looking. Like I'm used to wearing the same old grumpy bra and trust me, my fiance is very excited about this partnership. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 10% off your first order. If you order and don't absolutely love it, every customer has 60 days to return it. So it's pretty risk-free. So just go to thirdlove.com slash BKP now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash BKP for 10% off today. All right. Welcome back to the show. Oh my gosh. In the house today, we have the one, the only Miss Taylor Strucker. Welcome back. Hey, girl. Hey, thanks for having me back, girl. Oh my God. You're like an official friend of the show at this point. You've been on the podcast before. Uh, For anybody who hasn't heard Taylor on the show, you were actually on my season one, one of my all-time favorite episodes, Course Correction. I'll link it in show notes, but I'm so happy to have you back. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be back. I mean, so I was so the last time I saw you, well, the last time I saw you were on my podcast, Taste of Taylor. But then before that, I saw you 
on the Betches Brides podcast. So girl, we're like, we're best friends now. <laughs> we only we only communicate through podcasting, which is hilarious. That counts. It totally counts. Hey, I talk to more people on podcasts than I do like my own family. So... You know what's so funny? So I like, I'm always like, I have no friends. I have no friends. And my girlfriend the other day was like, you have so many friends. You just talk to them on your podcast. So I was like, (laughs) that's true. I guess I do. It's kind I have of an active social life on my podcast. Yeah, it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone. If you ask me, we've got it I all agree. figured out. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Oh my god! Well, I have to commend you first and foremost for being on this particular podcast because the the topic, obviously, we're talking about getting fired. I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. So i I recorded I recorded the second part of this podcast with my expert over a year ago. I have for over a year been trying to find somebody willing to talk about getting fired and nobody would do it. I know. Shut up. That's insane. Nobody wanted to. You know, I guess it is kind of like shameful, but I like wear like a badge of honor. I'm like, I got fucking fired and here I am like better than ever. Because I feel like getting like if you can survive, well, I feel like people get laid off, people get fired, especially like now, you know, I mean, in the midst of a pandemic, what is it like 10 million Americans are like unemployed. So, I mean, getting getting laid off is different because it's like, oh, we have no money in the company and the company's failing. But like getting fired, it's like you are rejected. (laughs) But I really feel like you... I I really think we're only as strong as like uh, the recovery from our like greatest failures. So... Fuck it. Yeah, I got fired. I'm like I'm I'm an open book. And like listen, I'm I don't I have a lot of conspiracy theories. I don't know if I have a ton of answers about like exactly why I got fired, but we'll get into that. I just I just have to be careful not to get myself in like trouble, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's why people don't want to come on. They're like they don't want to get in trouble with their former employers. I know. I think it's a lot of reasons. I mean, yeah, people it's like a it's like a personal like, you know, people people feel like it's a failure. You know, people are can yes. be ashamed of it. I've been fired. I've been there. Yep. Like, it sucks. And there's it's always... terrible. This, yeah. And there's always the story, like, you tell people. And then there's, like, the story of what actually happened. I'll tell you the real story. Okay. Let's just get yes. into it. Like, I want to hear what actually happened in your circumstance. So I worked at Sirius XM Radio for like almost like 11 and a half years, okay? And I started off on this channel for Cosmopolitan Magazine. It was called Cosmo Radio. And like ultimately, like yes, Sirius was my employer, but like Cosmo really had the final say in like my like hiring. And so they were like, I was their like pet. Like they loved me. The editor-in-chief like adored me. She was awesome. Her name's Kate White. I like miss her to this very day. But when the partnership or the branding deal fell apart, between Cosmo or just whatever, ran its course between Cosmo and Sirius. It was probably like six years in. And so that was the first time that I'm like, oh, fuck, we're going to get fired. Like all of us. Like they're going to wipe the channel out. And they did. Hmm. Um, But I survived that because I had an amazing manager. This woman named Liz at Sirius. And she was running a, a channel called Stars. Okay. And basically what Sirius did at this point in time was they were like, Stars, S T A R. S, not with a Z, like like the like like whatever, like the like the HBO competitor. Yeah, and so they were just like it just was like became this weird wasteland. Truthfully, for all female talent, it's just like if she's a woman, put her on stars. So it was like me and a bunch of like nobodies like me, and then like slowly over time, we actually like got some actual stars on the channel, like Maria Menounos was on the channel. 
Dr. Laura Schlesinger came over to the channel, which was big for me because like I grew up listening to Dr. Laura with my mom. So I don't always agree with Dr. Laura and the things she does and says, but like she's like a radio role model for me. And then Jenny McCarthy came on. And so I was the lead in show for Jenny McCarthy, which was like, oh, wow. Kind of fucking cool. Yeah. Because she's Jenny McCarthy, you know, like that's like, I'm like, this is this, I am on stars. <laughs> okay. So Sirius XM. I can't speak for all the talent, but like they're not known to be like soups generous with the salaries. Mm-hmm. If you're a huge name, you'll get paid well, but a lot, there's a lot of grumblings from people. And you'd be surprised. People with big names are serious are not happy with their salaries. That from from what I've from discussions I've had. Yeah, a lot of media is like that. You know, like people think like edit, be being surprised. in a magazine is really expensive. You know, you get paid a lot, but you don't. And you'd be surprised how I, I think people always automatically think that if you're like in media or a public figure or have a microphone or a camera in front of your face, you must be bringing home like a million dollars a year. I am here to tell you, uh, erroneous on all accounts. <laughs> not, not, not the case. So, but it's funny because everyone just thinks automatically that you do. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, you're Howard Stern rich. I'm like, nah, okay, yeah. I drive my brother's fucking Jeep from like 16 years ago. <laughs> no, no such thing. So, um, so a lot of us were like, doing side hustles. And Sirius encouraged us to. Like, they were like, you have a fantastic platform with like millions of listeners. We have like millions of subscribers. So we were all encouraged to do, like figure out how to use this platform to make up the difference, you know? So I'm like, okay. So like, it was right around the time social media was popping up. So like, we would try those avenues. And I had a guest that would come on my show. She was a happiness coach, okay? Bear with me. And she was a guest that was forced upon me, but I ended up really liking her. She was kind of like therapy, but like from like, rather than be like, tell me about the negative things in your life. It was like, let's focus on the future and the positive. And I was like, I actually fucks with this. Yeah. So we started to work together. And after my divorce, I was like super, because pre-divorce, I was like, this is my hobby. Like, I didn't really care about the money. Post-divorce, I was like, fuck, I have to pay my rent. So this woman, this happiness guru was like, listen, she said straight up, I make a lot of money off your radio show. Like my, a huge part of my clientele is from your radio audience. So I figure out how to monetize your audience. Why can't you? And I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. She was like, I will help you. So we started doing like webinars together and she would, we would charge like a ticket price. And I was so uncomfortable. Like, I'm like, how can we charge that? And she was like, listen, if people don't want to pay it, they don't have to pay it. And like the first time we did a webinar, we had thousands of people like view in. And I think that they each paid like something like $50. Again, she set the price point. I don't really know. We just were like 50-50 partners. But we walked away with a couple thousand dollars each that night. And I remember thinking, oh, I get That's it awesome. now. Okay. It's fucking great, right? After so, this, I'm starting a webinar. You guys can uh, tune into that after the show. <laughs> so we started doing the webinars. And as long as I was doing something with a video component to it, I was pretty much like in a safe zone with, with Sirius. Like I just really couldn't do like a competing radio show or podcasting. So anyway, so we, start, we did these webinars together. And then she was like, listen, my, the main thing I do is retreats. So why don't we go on a retreat in his partners? I'll plan it. You promote it. And we'll, you know, whatever we get, 50-50. So we started doing these retreats and they were very lucrative. I'll say that. And I'm like, well, this is fucking great. So we did that for like three or four years. And I would promote it on the radio show and Sirius was fine with it. Fine, fine, fine. So there was one year 
the year that I got fired that I was going to try to start doing them on my own, not just her because her brand's very, like my brand's like, let's get fucked up. And her brand's like, let's have one drink. And so I said, like, we're just very different. Like, I think I should be throwing a party. And you're like, you know, like, I don't know, like doing intense like soul searching, which is fantastic. But like, I just think when my girls show up, they want to get fucked up. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, your audience. Like, I, that's my brand, like, not to <laughs> brag. So, I was like, so I just like, I think maybe like I'm going to branch off and try to do like a party party thing because I kind of just felt like she was sacrificing her brand. I was sacrificing my brand. And like, it was, I just wanted to see how I could do it solo. Well, I got myself fired. So, what happened was, I, I teamed up with somebody else who was like uh, in the hotel uh, business, if you will. And we were going to do this like island, you know, Caribbean getaway. I guess it technically when I like... And my business partner gave me like basically a script to read in terms of like what I should say. And this person was somebody that I knew knew how things ran at Sirius XM Radio. So I obviously trusted that everything I was reading like had my best interest at heart. But it, I mean, I don't know if she realized it, but like whatever, I mean, whatever I said, I was in full breach of contract. But like when I say breach of contract, I mean like the fine, fine, fine print. Oh, this was like before whatever. you even went on the trip? Oh, I just promoted it. I just promoted uh, it. Okay, okay. And so I think that there were some people... So here's where I start getting conspiracy theories. I think that it could be two things. One could be that people like called thinking it was a giveaway and that freaked Sirius out. And they're like, no, no, no. And rather than be in a position to get themselves in a lawsuit, they just fired the person that said it so that they could be like, well, she's gone. Because that's something that companies do. Okay. Or number two, this is what I think. I know that I have like some serious trolls. Like I have so many amazing followers and like I, I, I want to... I'm not like bragging, but I, I feel bad because I always focus on the negative. So like I am so lucky. I have like the most amazing community of listeners, they're so smart. They're so awesome. They're funny. They're fucking fantastic. They're so supportive. They've been with me for like over a decade, you know? But there, there have like, there are like, I'm going to say like 50 to 100. Whew. Really like tough on me listeners. Some of them might love hate me. Some of them just fuck up straight hate me. But they're always looking to take me down. Why do they spend their time listening to you? They hate you. Because they're... Because they're trolls. I mean, it's like, why are you so obsessed with me? Why are you so in love with me? But there is definitely like there... I I found this article on trolldom and it's so interesting and it's like the six stages. And like, listen, you and me and most people listening are like, like, yeah, of course, like sometimes I hate Bethany Frankel. Sometimes I hate Kim Kardashian. But like, you can go through stages of like, I love them. Oh, I found them. I love them. I hate them. Oh, wait, I love them again. But what separates normal people from like true like trolls is the trolls go into a phase of I want to just... They go from hate to I want to destroy this person. Yeah, I want to take them down. I want to take them down. Cancel culture, Mm -hmm. you know, at Mm -hmm. its finest. So I feel like I was the first victim of cancel culture and for something like pretty benign. So anyway, I think that like a handful of them made a massive stink and blew it out of proportion and scared serious. But then I have another conspiracy theory that (laughs) my head was already on the chopping block for a couple reasons that we'll get to in a little bit, but that um, Sirius was just sitting patiently waiting for me to cross the line of my contract so that they could have just cause to fire me. And I wanted to say like, all this is hearsay. You know, all of this is speculation. All of this is my opinion. All of this is alleged. 
Just blanket hmm. statement it. So I'm in the car driving to the Berkshires. I never drive. I'm a New Yorker. I lived without a car at this point. So what's driving? And I get a text from my manager, like boss. And I'm like, oh my God. And my girlfriend Taylor, because I'm driving, she's like, you got a text from your boss. And I was like, fuck. And she goes, what? I said, I'm getting fired. You, you knew like right then and there? I knew it because that's... I know there. I know people... I mean, when you're at a company for like, what? Fucking oh, like 11, 12 years, you know how they fire people. I've seen, I've seen so many people go and I was like, Ugh. this is what they do. And my girlfriend, he's like, no way. No way. For, for that? No, they're just going to cancel the trip. And I was like, no, they're going to fire me. This is how it goes. And so he was I like, I'll call you in five. Right now. It was the longest five minutes of my life. I was like shaking, driving, like feeling like I was going to barf. And then the phone rang and just like a calm came over me. I, I literally, I was like, it was like the grace of God. Like, like an guardian angel just like wrapped themselves around me to keep me like cool, calm, collected. And I remember one of my co-hosts like that was on the show, I had said like, I don't think, oh, she was at the Food and Wine Festival the night before. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to get fired. And she said to me, well, if you do, she said, because her husband was a lawyer and she didn't know either. She said, I don't think you're going to, but if you do, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just get off really quickly and then call your lawyer and your and all your people. And I was like, okay. So Ooh, it's good advice for people. Like, hey, I know. He's like, hey, it's so and so. I'm like, yeah, hi. And then I hear, and it's like, and it's Karen from Legal. And I'm like, fuck, fuck. No. Legal? And Karen? She, and so he, anyone no, with the name Karen, really. you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, so, you know, I just wanted to call and let you know that your last show was Friday. You are in breach of contract. We are, Letting you go. And Karen's here to explain everything to you. And so she like starts talking and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was like, listen. So wait, wait. So I listened to her and then I said, okay, I hear you. And I said, I just have a question. And they said, what? And I said, after so many years of working at this company without like one blip on my, like, on my record, like literally perfect, pristine employment record, there's no opportunity for me to rectify the situation. Like, can't we cancel the trip? Do you want to put me on a suspension? Do you want me to, you know, take time off without pay? Like, there, like, can I go on the air and address it and just, you know, like, like, basically explain where the verbiage was wrong? And he's like, Karen, and Karen's like, um, no. Like I said, you're in breach of contract, and maybe you want to read your contract better the next time you get a job. Fuck Fucking, you, Karen. Fuck you, Karen. So wow, I'm like, well, I hate Karen cold. forever. Cold, cold, ice cold. So I, I'm like, okay, uh, thanks. And he's like, anything else? And I'm like, no, you fucking dickwad, nothing. <laughs> I mean, I was like, no, that's good. And I was like, well, I'm going to call my lawyer. So you'll be hearing from him. And they're like, okay. So I pull over the side, anything I pull else? Over the side of the road. Yeah, like I, go suck a dick. How about that? <laughs> I, yep. I pull over to the side of the road and I flip my shit. I was crying. I was kicking dirt. Ugh. I was like, I, I lost my motherfucking mind. And I called my agent. I called all, like I would call my producer. Um, I called my mom and dad. That was the hardest call because I felt like my mom and dad were going to be like, just kind of like, not we told you so, but like we were worried about this and what are you going to do now when you're a lesbian? You can't work. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, which is ridiculous, by the way. I want to point out that that's like, these are the crazy thoughts that I had in my head. 
And I called them and my parents were like, oh my God, bye. You're going to be fine. And them telling me I was going to be fine was like one of the nicest things my parents have ever said to me or done for me. And they didn't even do it for me. I think they were being genuinely honest. I talked about it with my mom recently and she's like, no, we really thought that. And I was like, well, whether you did or didn't, that's exactly what I fucking needed to hear. And then I had to talk to the co-host because then, so after they fired me, it was just like a domino effect of like them reaching out to all like the, the uh, producer and the co-host, because I had a rotation of co-hosts to let them know the show was no longer on air, but like that, you know, they weren't sure if they were going to be working with them. So like, then I'm talking to all the co-hosts being like, if they offer you a job, like you can take it. Like if they want to replace me with you, like, listen, it's a good opportunity. And if you want it, but like, you know, read your contract closely because I didn't love mine. But like, I literally was like trying to be like, I can't get mad at people for like benefiting from like something that is like killing me right now. But like, that's a fucking business. You know what I mean? So, and all the co-hosts were just like so nice and wonderful. So anyway, I called. So when I called my parents, I was like, sure, I I just want to go home and cry and like drink. (sighs) And they were like, no, you, my dad was like, you're an influencer now. That's your, that's your only job. Go to the Berkshires and get that fucking deal. And I was like, fine. So we went and we were like apple picking and drinking. And I just like, I just like held it together. And thank God my girlfriend was with me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it without her through that. And then it, then it got crazy. And then it was like, okay, so guess what? Then, then I had to call a lawyer. So I called like, I was lucky enough to have some really, really good friends. So Lori, one of my co-hosts, she was the one that told me about her husband's a lawyer. So she mm-hmm. was like, gave me great advice. Kelly Catrone is a really good friend of mine. So I called her and she was like, don't go on fucking social media. Don't fucking say a word. Go silent. She's like, I know this is hard for you, but you have to be silent. This guy named Robert Verdi, I don't know if you know him, but he's like, he was like major and like fashion, like week stuff. He worked for E. And so he also, I called him and like word spread pretty quickly. And Robert reached out. He was honestly fucking amazing and like so supportive. I was really lucky to have really smart people around me putting me in touch with other really smart people. Yeah. Um, so I got a lawyer really quickly. And, but like, I remember I talked to my friend Nicole who worked in the morning mashup. She called me Monday morning and she was crying and she was like, we're all devastated. And I was like, well, thanks. She's like, well, yeah, for you, but also we're all really scared. Like we never, like you didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, you know what like- I mean? They treated so you was, poorly and it made the other employees worried. Well, because then everyone's like, wait, wait, wait. So what are we not allowed to do? Yeah. Because we're all out here with these side hustles thinking we're good because you say use the platform and now we're like, what did what did she do that we're all not supposed to do? Like everybody was really confused is yeah. the point. You know, like, like I remember like when Anthony got fired from opening Anthony, he went on a racist Twitter rant. Okay, so we all get it. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. You know? <laughs> Um, and like, I know there's a, there was another serious employee who like beat someone up. Okay, don't beat up listeners. But like, this was kind of so in like no man's land that people were like, like even like Jenny McCarthy apparently went on the air like a week or two later when she was promoting her wine. And she said like, uh, hope I don't get fired for that. So like everybody was kind of aware that it was, I was made an example of and nobody was quite sure why. So that was that. And then I got lawyers who were fucking great. Larry and Marty, hmm. the best team in the land. And I discovered... And so I... Like on the trip back from the Berkshires, I called Stassi because she was at... She was doing podcasting at the time. And I was like, you know what? Now's my time to get into podcasting. And so she got me an amazing uh, meeting with a huge media company. And they were like, oh my God, we are in. You have a fantastic reputation. You have a huge following. We're in. 
and they gave me an offer, like literally numbers. We're going to launch this date. Da, 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 da. Wow. And then my lawyers were like, stop. You're not allowed to negotiate because you are in a non-compete for a year. And I was like, what? A non-compete? And they're like, who let you sign this fucking contract? And I'm like, my idiot first agent. And they were like, it's so fucking bad. It's so bad. So anyway... Ooh, can, you, um, can you talk about that for a quick second for anybody who maybe sure. has signed a non-compete or has been asked to sign a non-compete? Can you so get a... Non-competes non are state by state. They're state by state. Non-competes cannot hold up in the state of California, um, which is great because non, they, they, they basically think that non-competes, it's preventing people from financially you know, surviving in a field that's their field. Yeah. But in New York City, they... They hold water. So basically, I would say this, and this is a lesson I've learned. And, I, and, and literally in every single contract I've signed since Sirius, I think, except with the exception of one, but I spent so much money with lawyers, but I spent so much money renegotiating it to get out of the non-compete because I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm like, unless you're going to pay me a million dollars a year, fine. $500,000 a year. Like we're talking like wow money, you know, mm -hmm. like life-changing money. You don't own me. That's some fucking bullshit. So that was my lesson learned is I have never... Well, with the exception of one, which I then spent a lot of money to get out of. That was so stupid. I was... It was my... You know, I, I was in a panic after Sirius. So I just kind of like... Was so, like, I don't love that, but like, I'll sign it and like, we'll deal with it later. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of but, people don't know that they can get out of signing a non-compete. Like they kind of think that they have to, to get the job. You don't. You don't. I mean, when you get a contract, it's the, it's the start of a negotiation. And yes, of course, salary is like always a thing that people think of. But like, honestly, I would take... I'd rather get like half the salary and all the freedom in the world. And like hmm. be able to like, own your like you know you your what you do is your intellectual property not theirs these are the things that are important that I've like I learned through this experience so um but my but my lawyers were able to get me um only 3 months of the non compete versus a year so then I was able to get back to work but I had to be quiet for 3 months cuz whenever you, whenever you're dealing with law and I I learned this too cuz I I I'm divorced my lawyer when I got divorced was like you can't talk about your separation on the air because a, a judge will not fare well with that. And you have to always act as if you're going to end up in court. You never know. And judges don't like blabbermouths. So I, you, it's like, I, as somebody who is a blabbermouth, I had to like <laughs> learn really quickly how to like, just like shut the fuck up. So I watched Moana like every single day. My girlfriend says I watched it like 25 times a day, which I, her memory is better than mine. I mean, I was like, I was so depressed. I didn't even realize I was depressed. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was and gonna like, ask the first like, what I was gonna ask like kind of what your immediate reaction was to everything going on. The immediate reaction was like my life is over with mm -hmm. my immediate, and then the reaction was like okay we're gonna figure this out, and then it was like oh great I'm gonna get into podcasting. You know what fuck serious I want to podcast anyway, and I have friends that make so much more money than me in podcasting, and they work like a fucking fifth of the time. I was working like like my show at its earliest was like six. AM to like 11 AM. I mean, Ugh. I have worked crazy hours. I mean, we're talking four hours, three hours minimum of content Monday through Friday. Can't go anywhere, can't travel because you have vacation. Like, like yeah. it's like it's you're 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 literally chained to the studio and to the hours. And so I have all these friends that are like off doing these fabulous things and like growing and networking. 
And I, I'm like, I want a fucking podcast. So I was like, then I was like, this is great. This is this is what I needed. I, I needed to get out of there. I knew it hit a ceiling. This is the kick in the ass I needed. And then when I found that I was in a non-compete, I was like, I'm I'm going to go get a job at Starbucks. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with that, but I was like, I literally don't know how I'm going to pay. Like, what what job am I going to get? Because I I can't live off of savings for a fucking year. Yeah. My girlfriend was a freaking nanny at the time, making nothing. I am like, we are so motherfucking fucked. So um, for three months, you legit couldn't work. No, nothing. And no, you're, I, I actually had some comedy shows that I had already promoted while in the air. So I was able to do those because that's not radio, right? That's not yeah. audio. But that was, that was about it. That was Damn. about it. Damn. So I lived off of savings. And also don't forget, I had these lawyers, Marty and Larry. They weren't cheap. Yeah, so you're paying I had more. that staring down the barrel. But um, then I was able to, like after the three months, they, they, this was good was my lawyers were able to get my, um, my non-compete was running like from the day that I got fired. So, so like, so it was running out while they were working through it. So I was able to pretty quickly, you know, relaunch my radio show. And the beauty of it was though that, so not only was that devastating to me to get no goodbye show, but it was devastating. And honestly, I think the audience felt disrespected because don't forget their audience members are subscribers. They're paying money for the shows that they love. And I had so many listeners say, we only subscribe to Sirius for you. Like literally. You're, yeah. I, that's it. So when I got fired, I was like, maybe they'll subscribe. If it's just me, what else do I have to lose? So... Wait, I have a question. Um, yes. Did they, did they announce publicly on the air? Like when no. your show was supposed nope. to air, nope. they just they didn't nope. say anything? Nope. What happened was, so I didn't get a goodbye show. Um, and the audience turned on their radio on Monday morning and it was somebody new. But basically, yeah. So they turned on the radio the next day. There was a different person in my time slot who was also already on the air. So they were like, why is she in this time slot? And they never addressed it. Ugh, I think. Like so as far as weird. I know, she might, she might've just said like, hey, I'm here today. I don't know if she like, I actually like, don't, you know, don't quote me on that. She may have actually like said like the wake up with Taylor is no longer on the air, but that was probably like the the like the most that they said the most, yeah. <sighs> um, and so then the audience started freaking out, and a lot of people, the way that I like the, the way my audience explained it to me, they were like, "We felt disrespected. Like you, like you can't do that to our girl, but you also can't do that to the listener. I pay for her, and you just took it away like without any warning. So like now I still have the subscription. Like you didn't even give me the opportunity to get rid of it. And listen again, I had no contact with listeners a lot of people canceled their subscriptions. And... That's so justifying. It was. I won't lie. Yeah. But all all I was doing, I was just... I was like getting the DMs and the messages, but I wasn't able to reply to anything. But yeah, it was fucking wild. And then I, I launched my show. But I honestly think they did me a favor, truthfully, because if they had done... If they had fired me respectfully, given me like a goodbye show... I think people would have been like, oh, that's sad, but it's they're amicable. But because yeah. it was like so savage, I feel like people were like, what the fuck? Like they felt like upset for me, upset for themselves. And so when I was like, here's a show back that was taken away from you and me, people were like, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> so thanks, Sirius. I really appreciate it. Because yeah. the truth is, I was at a ceiling. I was never going to get more respect. I was never going to get paid more. And... 
if they didn't fire me, I think I would have been there forever just because of like the cachet of cool. And I would have like never been able to do my whole podcast. And like the freedom I have now is unbelievable. And I I actually doubled my salary like week one into my new venture. (sighs) Now, let me be clear. (laughs) That's not saying a lot because I did not get paid very much in serious (laughs) at all. But like still like doubling your salary when you've been like, like literally like, how will I survive? Like yeah. how I can't even pay my fucking rent. So yeah. So ultimately it was like the greatest thing in the world, but it was... And then for a while, it was pretty embarrassing. And I think like when I started my new show, like it was hard. Like I remember like I used to like meet strangers or people at parties and it was like, eventually it's very New York to be like, what do you do for a living? And I'd be like, oh, oh nothing. And like, you know, my girlfriend be like, she has a radio show on Sirius XM Radio. And people were like, oh my God. And like sometimes people would even like know the show. And it was a ego blow to be like, oh, I have a radio show. People were like, where? And I was like, it's independent. And people were like, bullshit. But like, it's not. It's a real business. But what am I going to like show them like my pay stub and be like, actually, I'm doing way better now than I was at Sirius. But it's like, I do, you know, I do find myself when I'm meeting new people referencing my resume and being like, well, I had a radio show on series for 12 years. And if I feel like the person's safe, I will be like, and then they fucking fire me. And then they're like, tell me the story. <laughs> and then I do. And then I'm like, and I started my own thing and it's so much better off. Or people will be like, or, or, or I'll just say, I just, you know, decided to start my own subscription-based radio yeah. show. Well, now it's a but, thing. Now it's like, you know, people have podcasts. Like the podcasting world is so much more better known. So I feel like you can, yeah. you can say I'm a podcaster and people are like, oh, that checks out. Yes, yes. But, yeah. But I, I, you said it, you said it like just like a few seconds ago when you're saying it was such an ego blow. I mean, that's the whole <sighs> thing with getting fired. It is a total ego blow. And especially for you, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, so many people go through getting fired, but you had to do it, not only get fired, but do it publicly. Yeah. Which I think is is hard. And also my job was my identity. I really realized it when I got fired and I was like, well, that's not healthy. Number one, no one's job should be their identity. Um, But it was. And so like, I had to really like take a hard look at that and like who I am without the job. Ugh. That's such a good point. You know? I think a lot of people relate to that because you spend so much time of your life and your job. Totally. And so when that's totally out from underneath you, you're kind of like, whoa, what now? I know. So so that's really it in like a nutshell. But yeah, I mean, I, I to this day, well, you know what the thing is too? Like I always say like I've never been like broken up with by boyfriend. Now, if I really think it through... Because I've only dated men except for my girlfriend, Taylor, um, who I'm still with and plan to be with forever. But hmm. I I always say like, oh, well, I know, I've never been like rejected, like in dating, like I've never been broken up with. And if you really, if I really look back, it's like, well, I'm sure like when a guy cheated on me, he was like making me break up with him. But like <laughs> being the one to actually break up with somebody makes you feel like you've never been rejected. So really serious was like the first thing relationship that rejected me. So that was another thing that was so hard to swallow. I mean, I got rejected from like every college I applied to, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like everyone. My mom yeah. made me apply to like every Ivy League school. I'm like, I'm not going to get in. Yeah. And it was just Harvard like, rejection. back. That's rejection. so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so... I can say, I can I guess, say I've done both. I've been, I've been dumped and I've been fired. I think being fired is worse. Really? Yes. Why? Uh, well, I think there's like 
I think the whole thing of it is so much of your life and you put so much into your work and like literally you're there like 75% of the hours of your, you know, you know, like of your day, you know? So I, you spend so much time at work. And, and another thing, I mean, like if you're supporting yourself, it, it, it's just, it goes so deep. It goes into, you know, oh my God, like I wasn't good enough to do this job. And now my whole right. life's falling apart because I can't pay my bills. It's just like a really, like a, a breakup with a dude. I mean, don't get me wrong. That sucks too. But you're like, at least I can like afford rent next month. This is like exactly terrifying. Exactly, I it's, wanna... it, 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 it's terrifying. It's yeah, terrifying. It is. It is scary. Like for sure, that is one of one of the key emotions I'd say through the process is just actual fear. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you because I think this is so important for anybody who's has gone through this or may go through this in 2020. Uh, when right. you actually got fired, like what did you do? Like in terms of support system, did you have a support system or was Moana like your number one? Uh... Moana was my number one. <laughs> Um, I mean, friends, family, support system, like in terms of my emotions, but like I like financial support, like, like nothing, you know, like I like, again, this is another thing. And like, maybe this is like too little too late. But like, if you're in a position to start getting savings, this is like why you get you have savings. Like, yeah, of course, ultimately, it's like for retirement. But like, like, aside from like a medical emergency or like getting into like a massive accident, like this is why you have savings, like for like the oh shit moments. Yeah. And um, I remember when I was like working with like a financial guy for the savings, like he was like, you need like a year salary in savings because what if you get fired? Like, and I, and I was like, I was like, I want more. What if I get fired? And he was like, you're never getting fired. And I called him, I got fired. I was like, fuck you, man. I got fired. <laughs> I don't have enough money left to survive a year. It is so amazing. Like hindsight is always twenty twenty. Obviously, when these things happen, it's so scary. But like you were saying earlier, it worked out. You know, it actually paved a really great path for you. And that was actually yeah. a- another thing I wanted to ask you. Like, if you could go back and tell the tailor who is sitting in her car, you know, freaking out after getting that phone call, anything, like, what would you say? Oh my god, I'd be like, girl, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Like, just start planning for like when you're able to start working again and like hit the ground running really, really, really fast. And like, don't be ashamed because I I think I even still struggle with that today, like a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I actually think that if you go through life and you've never been fired, like fucking congratulations to you. But I actually think that it makes you, it makes you work a lot harder when you've been fired. And like, it makes you also appreciate what you have a lot more because you know what it's like to lose it. So I feel like I'm like a part of a, like a tough, like fucking fight club, you know? Like I'm like tougher for it. I'm a survivor for it. So yeah, that's why I say I wear like a badge of honor. It is shameful. It is embarrassing. But ultimately like to be fired and then recover, like it's kind of like, I like I talk about my marriage, you know, I could say I have a failed marriage or I could say I was strong enough to get out of a bad relationship. So I don't know. I, I think that people that go through life without any sort of struggle, like how have they even really lived? Yeah. And the truth of the matter is no one goes through life without any sort of, you know, massive like pit. So I'm ha- like, maybe I'm getting all mine out in the, the beginning of my life <laughs> so I can just have like smooth sailing ahead. 
Seriously, it's character building. It really is. Like if it you think about it. it, and I, I've I, the people I've talked to you because I've I've also been there. I've gotten fired. I've been through the shame spiral, but it is a great learning experience. And I'm Oof. really thankful that you would share yours. You were brave enough to come I, on. Yeah, come on. I mean, my life is a fucking open book, especially my failures. You know, I feel like that that's what bonds people is like the struggles that you go through, especially when there's a commonality. So, and like knowing other people came out better on the other side and survived like these scary things. Like it just, it makes it more palatable for people, you know? So it's just like, and, and, and I've trained myself because I'm in audio and have been for so long. Like when life is like really shitty, even though I'm like, damn it, I'm like, Good content. Great content. Part of my story. Part of my Eat True Hollywood story. So interesting. Uh, so. I literally just described... Like, that's what Big Kid Problems is. Like, literally, I just make fun of the shit I'm messing up all the time. It's the right. whole point of the podcast and the Instagram. Well, It's a good way to go through life. <laughs> honestly. Honestly. It makes it, it makes it a little bit easier. Taylor, if people want to find more from you, where can we, where can we get you? You can go to my Instagram at Taylor Strecker. Also listen to my podcast. Uh, it's called Taste of Taylor. And then I have the radio show, which is like pretty much exactly what I was doing when I was on Sirius. It's two hours of radio. It's live to tape now because we're obviously in quarantine. But yeah, it's uh, subscription-based. So you can just go to taylorstrecker.com and just go to the Taylor Strecker Show icon, click on that, and you can subscribe if you want to. You can test me out. Do like do like training wheels with Taste of Taylor. If you really like me, then move over to the subscription. Amazing. And if you get hooked on her, she's not going anywhere because you own that shit. Because I'm my own boss, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Which also totally sucks. We should have another podcast about why being your own boss is the fucking worst. Oh my God. Can you stick around for another hour? Let's record that after this. <laughs> Taylor, thank you so much. And after this, stick around. We're going to circle back with Ashley Stahl. She is a career coach. So for anybody who's been fired or worried about getting fired, we're going to talk about what to do next. Stick around. Okay. So we're talking about getting fired this week. And that is only one of several big kid problems we talk about on this show that I know can keep you up at night. So it seemed fitting to partner with a company that will actually improve our sleep quality and allow us to catch some quality shut-eye. I'm talking, of course, about Helix Sleep Mattresses. Guys, I just got my Helix delivered a few weeks ago and it is so comfy. I took the Helix quiz on their website and since I like to toss and turn all night long, it matched me with the Midnight Luxe style. We are loving it. And I say we because my fiance says I'm waking him up way less in the middle of the night, which is a plus. And the truth is we all sleep differently. So I love that Helix gives you that quiz to match your body type and sleep preferences to find the perfect mattress for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. And even a Felix Plus mattress for our plus size folks. You don't have to take my word for it. Helix Sleep was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And you can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Your mattress will be delivered to your door, shipped for free, and they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But I have a feeling you will. Now, here's the best part. I have a little discount code just for our listeners. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com 
slash big kid. So again, just go to helixsleep.com slash big kid, take their two minute sleep quiz and get ready to get the best sleep of your life. All right. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem podcast. I am here now with Ashley Stahl. She is a career coach, creator of the Job Offer Academy, and host of the U-Turn podcast. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Yeah, of course. Well, I had to get you on. This is the Am I getting fired episode? (laughs) Um, And as a career coach, I definitely wanted to get your opinion on this. Um, Before we even jump right into it, how did you get started as a career coach? I know you kind of have this wild backstory. Yeah. You know, I think like a lot of people, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college. And I felt that pressure to commit to a major. And for some reason, a lot of us buy into the belief that that means committing to a career path. And so I ended up majoring in government history and French because I was fascinated by politics. And that ended up taking me on a path to working in counterterrorism and national security in Washington, D.C. But it wasn't an easy path by any means. I actually ended up finishing grad school, doing everything I could, doing the internships, learning the foreign languages, getting the best degrees that I could. And then I came home to Los Angeles and couldn't get a job to save my life. And that was when I learned that job hunting skills are just as important as your actual skills you're going to bring to the job. And not everybody has those skill sets. Um, So my first job that I got was as as an admin assistant, and I just kind of bought into the belief that I would have to take what I could get because I couldn't get a job after three months of applying and sleeping on my parents' couch. And so I took this admin job making minimum wage. I studied Arabic at night at UCLA. And then eventually one day I emailed my college and said, can you give me a list of everybody who's ever graduated and moved to Washington, D.C.? And over my lunch break for five months, I made cold calls, just calling different alumni of my college. Some of them were obviously welcoming to my phone calls. Others were like, you know, what do you, what is this girl doing calling me and would hang up on me? <laughs> but eventually I ended up getting a lot of traction and that was what lent itself to me moving to Washington, D.C. And over the course of six weeks, I ended up landing three job offers, tripling my salary and um, just completely shifting my own life, getting a management job, running a program for the Pentagon. And what I learned from that experience, and obviously I could do a thousand podcast episodes about finding your life purpose. And that's something that I help a lot of people with, you know, in courses and one-on-one. But what I found is that um, job hunting skills are so sacred and I really loved helping people with it. I started helping people that were friends get job offers and that eventually became a private coaching business, which turned into my job offer Academy e-course. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to get you back on for another episode all about job hunting because I have never heard somebody do that, like get their um, their university to hand over some information. Like, that's so smart. I feel like the way I go about job hunting is not as effective as that. So we're going to have to get you back <laughs> on. Um, but okay, so I know this is kind of in your wheelhouse, but we're, I wanted to talk to you about this big kid problem of am I getting fired? Because I don't know if you've ever been fired. I mean, you sound pretty capable. You freaking worked at the Pentagon. But (laughs) I know nobody really gets into the job, you know, force thinking that it's ever a possibility. And it happens more than I think people realize. Like, um, I've had a couple of friends who have been let go or fired. And I feel like 
you know, mistakes are made, especially if you're pretty new to the job force. And I don't know, do you, do you, would you say that there are any behaviors maybe unconsciously or consciously that might be sabotaging us at work and maybe might be leading us towards that path that uh, we could be getting that ax? <laughs> well, I think the first thing just to know, to acknowledge is that no matter where you've been or what you think you deserve, that sometimes getting fired is a cause for celebration because it's just feedback that you might not be in the best job for you. And you may, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like that quote that um, Einstein said, and I'm going to completely butcher it, but something along the lines of, if you ask a fish to fly, uh, it's going to fail, uh, but it's great at swimming. And so I think that at the end of the day, it's so important for everybody to realize that being fired is not feedback that you're not a good employee or that you're not competent. Often it's just feedback that you're not in the right office. You're not in the right place. You're not in the right job. Um, so the first thing is to usually when people get fired, I don't think that they're paying attention enough to who they are and what the best skill sets are for them to be out using in the world. That's kind of the concept of U-turn, Y-O-U you know, turn is all about turning back to yourself. That's why I'm writing a book about it. That's why I have a podcast about U-turns is because I think ultimately when you get fired, that's just feedback um, that you need to really connect to yourself and figure out what the best path is and what the best skill sets are for you to be using. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. I feel like in the experiences that at least I've had, the, being fired has actually been like a huge blessing. You know, it's um, it, it's turned out to be the right thing, but it's not always like an easy pill to swallow, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and I look back at some of my experiences and I, I think about some things that I was doing that kind of set me up to get potentially let go. And I think one of the big ones, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like playing on your, not playing on your phone, but if you're like on your phone a lot or like posting on social media, it could kind of, you know, set a bad... Uh, put a bad picture and maybe your your employer's mind. Like, do, would you say that that's accurate or if there's any more of those that that we should look out for and be careful of? Yeah, well, the first thing I think to remember is that you are who people see you as in the two minutes they walk past your desk. That you might be the best hire in the world, but if the two minutes that you are checking your phone is the two minutes the CEO is walking past your desk, that's the story they're going to buy into about who you are as a hire for them. Um, and so I think it's really important not to be on your phone all the time at work. But even if you are on your phone all the time at work, I think the most important thing is to constantly be walking around as an employee, knowing what results they want from you and reaching or exceeding those results because results are noisy. Right. And no matter how much you're on your phone or not, if you are that hire that is creating excellent results, nobody's going to care if you're on your phone or not. But there are some other behaviors that can get you fired. I think first is the lightest, which is dressing or acting unprofessional. You know, um, I remember having a roommate during my days working in counterterrorism and she worked on in the Capitol building for a senator. And she dressed as if she was on her way to a nightclub in Ibiza. You know? And, um, you know, 93% of executives believe that an employee's office style influences his or her chances of promotion. Um, and that's something that Career Builder put out there. And I think that that's really true, that the way people see how you present yourself really impacts your bank account and impacts your promotions. Um, I think another way to get yourself fired is through dishonesty. And mm -hmm. one of the most slippery paths to dishonesty is when you give a bullshit answer. So one of the most appealing things I think for managers when it comes to dealing with employees is if you have somebody that says to you, hey, um, you know, 
Great question. I'm not really sure on the answer on that, but I want to learn. So I'm going to look into that and get back to you. That is so much more trust building, appealing, um, and respectable than somebody who is in scarcity and fear and wants to always know the answers because people are smart in the workforce. And if you give an answer that isn't your best answer or it's not really the answer, it's just some sort of bullshit, people are going to pick up on that and they're going to break trust with you. And eventually they're not going to value you as a hire in the same way as the authenticity of you letting them know that perhaps you are off in some way. So those are just a couple things. Of course, another one is always gossiping. You know, nobody will ever, you know, the shit talker is always going to look worse than the person they're talking about. Um, And HR has ears for that. People notice that. So I would say if you're ever around people who are talking smack, do your very best to listen, nod, and not contribute at the very most. And if you start to become the person that people are always turning to to vent, it probably would be helpful at a certain point to say, hey, I'm really sorry you're going for that. I don't know if I'm the best person to come to about that, though, because there's nothing I can do. I'm just so bummed that that's happening for you, you know? Yeah, that's 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 probably a really good, um, that's smart. Um, on that same token, I, I like what you're saying about the whole, you know, building trust and honesty piece. I'd see that a lot. I think, um, you know, in the workforce, if somebody screws up, like let's say you do something, you mess up, in the way that you kind of come forward and handle it, uh, you know, uh, any advice around that? I feel like some people might be eager to like, even if, if it, maybe it wasn't your fault and you want to like explain yourself, but you also don't want to be, you know, blaming others. Like, is there a healthy balance there? Or do you take full responsibility? I know that's kind of like, it's probably a situational question, but what would you say around like, coming coming clean about like if you, if you screw up at work what you should do. Yeah, great question. I would say anticipate meaning instead of waiting for people to notice that you messed up, um take full responsibility. People trust people that take responsibility and we all know that we're all human. So if you make a mistake, go to the person that has received your error and say, "Hey, look, I was just taking a look at my work and I made a mistake. Um I want to fix it, but this is what happened and I'm so so sorry." Yeah, I think that that's good. Taking that responsibility is good. You know, there's there's one of those things also that happens in the workforce, especially when people are getting a job that's a stretch for them, is this concept of fake it till you make it. There's a lot of truth to that thing, but one of the things that's going to get you fired as well is lying about your abilities and then not being able to perform them. So I think it's always better to say, hey, you know, that's something that I would love to learn more about, but that's not in my zone of genius right now. <laughs> zone of genius. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> more on that. Um, I, I I love that piece of advice. Going like being ahead of it, I think is probably so, so important. Let's continue on that path. So let's say you like have a royal fuck up. What are some other things that you can do to like make it better before, you know, you are in a position that you could get fired? You know, I think number one is to surrender. Um, you know, it feels really powerless, I think, when you make a huge mistake that you know could get you fired. But I think that powerlessness can be really powerful because it's an opportunity for you to surrender and accept that it is what it is. And if you get fired, more often than not, you're able to collect unemployment and move forward. Um, You know, I think your career is a vehicle of self-expression and it's an opportunity for you to learn about yourself. And so if that happens, you still want to get ahead of it, take responsibility, let people know. And when you're addressing it, there's a fine light between fine line between shining a spotlight on an insecurity and addressing a weakness. I think that there's something really wonderful about coming up to people and saying, hey, I made a really big mistake. I know it's really big. 
And so I don't know what you want to do about it moving forward. I take full responsibility for it. It's not something that's ever going to happen again. And from there, it's kind of like Jesus take the wheel. Like you can't, you can't change this. So whoever is going to respond to it. Um, also paying attention to what you learn from the mistake and letting them know, here's what I learned from this. And here's why I'm never going to do this again. Um, and leaving it on your employer to make that decision and really surrendering into it. You don't need to cry, break down, fall apart. In fact, that's going to make you look even more unstable to them as somebody who just make a really big mistake. Right. Now, back on that piece of like, I'm going to never do this again. I think, you know, maybe one time you could probably get off, you know, if you make one mistake, you're not going to get fired. But what if, uh, just going to play devil's advocate, not like I've ever done this before, but like, what, <laughs> if, what if you make a mistake, say you're never going to do it again, and then like maybe make that same mistake again? Yeah. I mean, in that case, like you have to do the same thing again, you know, take responsibility again and let them know you understand that this could have serious consequences and that you take responsibility for that. I mean, there's really nothing you can do. I think that mistakes and getting fired are such an opportunity to surrender and learn. And I think that so many people fear getting fired when the reality is it is the business of the isness. It is what it is. Um, And as long as you learn something moving forward, uh, but I think more often than not, if it's a royal mistake, I don't usually hear people making it twice. Yeah, uh, that's true. My big one, I'll just be candid here. My big one is showing up late to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am just like the worst. Uh, I am so not a morning person. I'm like a total hit the snooze. Like you think twice, but it turns out it was eight times. Um, and I remember at one of my first jobs, like showing up late, being so, you know, apologetic and then like three days later doing it again and then like doing it again and then again. Mm, and then again. Mm, that could also be feedback you're not in a job that's for you. That's like what I told myself, you know, I was like, you know, if you're not like jumping out of bed to do what you want to do, like, you know, maybe there's some subconscious reason why you're snoozing. I don't know. Exactly. Or maybe exactly. you're just tired. Okay. So I think that's, I think that's really helpful. Um, okay. So let's say, you know, maybe you've had a couple screw ups at work. We're going to continue this, this, uh, this play out. Um, what are some signs, if, if any, that you could say, like, maybe you're getting some vibes from an employer that you could be getting fired? Like, is there anything to look out for? Mm. I would say um, one thing is if they like lower your workload and they're trying to delegate it off to someone else. Another thing is if you're seeing layoffs, usually they're going to have a heightened awareness about what's going on in the company, who's adding value, who's not. Mm. So I think that's really, really important is to start to pay attention to the environment, the financial situation in the company. Um, I would say the biggest sign that you're probably getting fired is when they reduce your workload. Yeah. Responsibility. It can't be good. It can't be good. Not good news. Oh man. All right. So, um, you know, I think that that's probably pretty accurate. And, and there are situations I feel like maybe you haven't even screwed up, but maybe you're just in a volatile work situation and, you know, maybe you're not sure how long you're going to be there. Like when would you, when would you kind of maybe start to think maybe I should leave? Like maybe being proactive about leaving rather than getting fired. I would say the most, the biggest indicator when it's time to go for yourself and your own professional growth is when you're not honing or expanding on a skill set that you want to carry with you throughout your career. So for me, uh, as a content, so I have a lot, my hands in a lot of different things. I'm writing a book. 
called U-Turn. I have the U-Turn podcast. I have the Job Offer Academy. I have different courses on business and clarity. What my fundamental skill set is, is writing. I'm constantly creating content through writing. Mm. And so for me, as long as my writing is growing, as long as I'm honing on that skill and becoming better at it, and there's a couple of things that, that that will indicate that I am. Number one, I'm going to learn because I can't write better content unless I'm learning new things. And number two is just getting a good editor, taking a look at what I could have done better, getting feedback, challenging myself. So as long as my writing skills are being honed and they're being expanded upon, I'm in a good spot. So right now, if you're a marketing professional, you want to think, what are the skill sets that are so important for this career path that I'm on? Am I honing those, expanding on those, and challenging those in this job? Once you start to flatline and you get to a place where you're not expanding on your skills, they're not improving anymore, you're not having any opportunities to grow, that's when it's time to leave. If you don't like your job, it might not be time to leave unless you hate your job, obviously. Um, I usually like it when a job seeker says that they like what they're doing. To me, I think it's a really high standard and a lot of pressure to put on yourself to absolutely love what you're doing. Yeah. If you're in the workforce, you're already building somebody else's dream. You're not building your own. So if you can at least like what you're doing, I think you're winning. Um, And then from there, you're super winning if you're growing a skill set that you want to carry with you. So I would say the first indicator that you might want to consider leaving is if you really feel like you flatlined, you're not honing or growing your skill set that you want to carry with you, um, then it would be time. And then if you don't like what you're doing, of course, then it's time to reconsider where you are. It's interesting because I think in the beginning, oh my God, I think about some of the jobs and like talk that I've had at least. And I mean, when you, when you mentioned about like even liking what you're doing, I feel like some people might've been in this boat where sometimes you just have to take a job to take a job um, because like you need income, you know? Like I remember when I first moved to New York, I kind of got to a point where I was like, I just need to get a job that pays decently because like I can't afford rent. And then I ended up in a job for multiple years (laughs) that wasn't, like you said, wasn't really building up the things that I, you know, cared about or that I wanted to like learn and grow into, but you're, you're stuck because of that financial piece. Are there, I mean, when it comes to that, like, would, would you say like maybe before leaving, like there's things that you can do to kind of comfort yourself or like, would you hunt for a job while you're at a job so that you don't really have that kind of like time in between uh, paychecks? Yeah. I mean, I don't recommend getting a job just to get your foot in the door because then you're kind of, your resume is going to start to look like a graveyard of trial and error. But if you really need money, I totally get that. And I've been there. So I would say the best step in that case would be to really learn how to effectively job hunt. You know, I have a free e-course when it comes to how to, you know, how to get a new job you love. So if that's helpful for anybody listening, that is at uturnpodcast.com. And I believe the backslash is, let's see, job offer. So Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. So anybody who wants a free course on how to land a new job, that could be really helpful. I think it's really about your job hunting skills. And if you have those, you really shouldn't be in a position where you're worried about that. Right. And I'll, I'll link that into our show notes too. So for anybody who's interested, we can, we can, um, put that up there, uh, to get a sneak preview. I mean, not to get like a free e-course or anything like that, but is there any like little like basic tips from your course that you can suggest? 
Yeah, definitely. I would say the most important thing is to get really clear on that skill set you want to use. Come up with a list of companies. Maybe it's 50 companies in the city you want to get a job. And go on LinkedIn and figure out who is the hiring manager for that position. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's two key people you're going to want to know for each position. The first key person you're going to want to know is the HR rep in that department or within reach of that job. The second person you're going to want to know is the actual potential boss that you would have figuring out who they are Mm. would be really helpful. Cool. Would you recommend reaching out to the HR person or that person that you could be working for? Like, let's say you're going out for a marketing coordinator role. Would you go out to the director of marketing and send an email, like maybe with like your resume, or would you go out to the HR person first or both? I would probably go to the actual potential boss because they're the ones that are in pain about the job much more so than HR because they need the help, you know? Ooh, that's actually a really good piece of advice. I mean, I've been, I've done job hunting for years and I feel like I've always gone to the HR person um, or like tried to find somebody within the company that I know through like eight different people um, to get to the HR person. So I think that's actually a really great piece of advice. Good, great. And more of that in your e-course. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Really, I think job, like for some reason, job hunting feels like a mystery for a lot of people. I don't know if it's just the way that I think, but to me, if you follow a step-by-step system, I've taken the guesswork out of it. Both, you know, this free e-course is a really good start. A lot of the content is pulled from the Job Offer Academy so people can get a feel of like what these steps are and get some traction in their job search. Obviously, writing a good resume and all these elements are really important, but it ultimately comes down to being able to reach out to the right person and be really clear because the world makes way, you know, for people who know where they're going. Totally. Um, Okay, one more question about that, uh, you know, searching for a job piece. Like let's say you're still in that job you hate or could be getting fired from and you want to interview for other jobs now because this has actually happened to me before. How do you, how would you recommend going about interviewing if you already have a job? Like, can you, do you make up that you have a dentist appointment? Or I feel like that's just so obvious. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, taking care of yourself. At the end of the day, you exist in a company so that the company can thrive and they're looking out for themselves. So if you decide that, you know, you want to um, get a new job and that's what's in your highest good, then you're just looking out for yourself and that's really important. Um, I would say, you, you know, it's difficult to be lying at work. And I think that is an issue of your own integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think there's nothing wrong with saying like, hey, I need to step away. I have an, a personal appointment at that time or something like that. And, you know, for all they know, it's a medical appointment. It's it's really none of their business. And it's up to you what you say when they say that. Um, there's also, you know, the possibility of you just putting your interviews really early in the morning or really late in the afternoon and saying that you're just going to come in late, like you have a morning appointment that you have to go to. Um, It's just one of those things that I think if you do in the middle of the day, you're making it a lot more obvious and difficult for yourself. Yeah. I think that's, that's a solid piece of advice. I had this one, this one time I um, was interviewing, I had like the worst job ever. I worked at this PR firm and it was just miserable. Um, but I went out to interview in the middle of the day and I said I had a doctor's appointment and I could just sniff out that like my boss was on to me. And I literally like came back, like I bought, I went to CVS and bought like medical gauze and a band-aid and made it look like I had blood taken from my arm <laughs> so that I wouldn't oh my get gosh. caught. 
Like we're talking like excessive. Um, So maybe if I had just gone before That's a full-on cover-up. That's an intense (laughs) cover-up, Sarah. I went to like extremes and I I still got caught at the end of the day, Um, Mm. which isn't great. So I I like that, like making time. You know, if you have to wake up early, (laughs) sometimes maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we are wrapping this up. I do want to ask you, so my last kind of final question is when you actually get fired, like if you actually get fired and maybe you, maybe it's not even to any fault of your own. Maybe you got let go. I mean, at least for me, like it has, it's been harder than like any breakup because, you know, that's like you're, you spend so much time at an office or working or you put so much of yourself into a job. I remember I got let go my first, my first job. And I was devastated, you know, like it was a hit to my ego. And then like, not only that, but like the financial burden, I was like, I was basically living paycheck to paycheck, could barely afford my rent as is. And then I'm like, oh, and now I don't have a job. What, what would you say? Like, what are some ways to kind of like keep yourself from freaking out and maybe some like initial steps to take? Because I, I think that you do kind of have to get your bearings like right when you get fired. Like, what would you say? Would, would, what would you do? Um, I would ask them about severance. I think just preparing to say, hey, what is the process that you guys offer for terminations? What does the severance look like? Mm-hmm. I would be presumptuous about it, assuming there's a severance. Right. Which is a great piece of advice. I think um, at least in the beginning, like the, the when that happened to me at first, I didn't think to even ask that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier too um, about collecting unemployment. Um, yeah. Anything you can share about that process? Yeah, I mean, I've personally never gone through it, but I know that it's a pretty straightforward process as far as just collecting unemployment goes. But I think asking your employer is the best step. So saying, you know, um, I'm curious what the severance package is, and I'll be. Uh, And then I would wait for that, wait for their answer. You don't want to talk about collecting unemployment because that's going to cost them something as well. After they've agreed upon a severance package, that's also okay for you to let them know, hey, I'm going to be filing for unemployment. Um, This is all stuff that they dread, but they expect. And it's all part of the work for being in the workforce and having employees. Right. And what about for like your, if you're just for your, your personal ego and, you know, uh, maintaining calm. <laughs> what would you, what would you say to do? I would say just to surrender. Like it is what it is. Um, I would say breathe in, breathe out, accept that this is what it is. Know that your circumstances have nothing to do with who you are and you know, where you are could change at any given moment. So I'd be really careful to start watching your thoughts from catastrophizing because I think often we catastrophize, we create a vortex around ourselves and it's all really made up. Um, the truth of the matter is you're going to get a new job just like people always do mm-hmm. and you're going to be fine. You know, it's just the nature of the beast. Right. That's so true. And like you said, the fact that you're leaving that job is probably, you know, feedback that it wasn't the right job to begin with. So it's actually a blessing. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We took that full full circle. Thanks, Ashley. (laughs) All right, Ashley, thank you so much for being our expert and solving our big kid problem today. Um, If anybody wants to get in touch with you, I know we have a lot of uh, people who are looking for jobs or new to the workforce. Where can they find you? Um, Yeah, you can find me over at jobofferacademy.com for my course on job offers or for one-on-one support at ashleyinternational.com. 
All right. And I will put that all in our show notes. Ashley, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for all the great questions. I hope it helps everybody. Yes. Bye. All right, guys, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I want to give a big shout out to Taylor Strecker for bravely sharing her story with us. That's not an easy thing to do. I also want to shout out our expert of the week, Ashley Stahl, who patiently waited over a year for this episode to go live. What a trooper. Actually, the timing worked out perfectly because her book is actually coming out soon. So if you go to uturnbook.com, she has a free course bundle when you pre-order her book. I'm going to link all of that and their socials in show notes so you can check them out and send them some love. And if you like this episode or have a favorite part, tell us. Post us on your IG story. Tag us. I mean, I know I love hearing from you guys and hearing what you like about this show. As always, I want to thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this pod, I'm going to encourage you to subscribe and leave a little review if you can. It takes about a minute to leave a review and it really does make a huge difference for the show. If you want to connect a little bit deeper after this episode, come join the secret Facebook group. I've linked it in show notes. I would love to hear some of your getting fired stories. So come hang out. All right, with that, I'm going to leave you with a little weekly quote. This one comes from Steve Jobs after getting fired from Apple. He said, Getting fired from Apple was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. The heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again. It freed me to enter one of the most creative periods of my life. There you go. Steve Jobs can come back. Anybody can. So with that... We're going to wrap things up. Enjoy your week and I will see you next Tuesday.